What's good, everyone? Welcome to episode number six of the Run Free Podcast. I'm especially excited for this one because it's my first time hosting a podcast interview or an interview of any kind for that matter. Jay Stevenson is in the house. And quick correction, I call him Jay Stephenson on the first podcast. My bad, Jay. Uh, it's spelled like Stephenson, sta- sounds like Stevenson, am I right? I, I think Steph Curry's messed it up. Man. <laughs> oh, man, you got me good. So anyways, uh, super excited to have Jay here because Jay is the reason why Run Free happened in the first place. Uh, it was initially Jay's idea. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jay, but then we're going to launch into how he came across this idea, what he's thinking, his heart behind it, and all that good stuff. So I just want to let you guys get to know Jay since he's the man behind all of this. So Jay, he was a stud runner back in his day, 2004. Uh, he was the club USATF national champion in the steeple. He was ninth at the US 10K championships. In, I believe that was 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, three-time All-American in cross-country and track. Uh, he's got PRs of 29.43 for 10K, 14.18 for 5K, 8.53 for a 3K steeplechase, 3.53 for 1,500, and 4.12 for the mile. But I would say even more importantly, he's become an amazing coach, having coached over 20 years now, tons of experience. He has a running store in Rome called Go Go Running. So if you happen to be in Rome, not France, but Georgia, go check it out. It's an amazing store. I've been there myself. Um, so anyways, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This has been a fun journey so far. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, so we are sitting in Flagstaff, Arizona. This is our run-free uh, launch party. So we are just getting this thing off the ground. I believe yesterday was the first day the website was live. Am I correct? It is officially live. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. So let's let's launch into this. I'm super curious because my memory's not very good and I forget things all the time. <laughs> so I'm just going to pretend like I forgot everything completely. Um, how did you get the idea to – or what inspired the idea to start uh, personal online coaching? So, man, I think this story starts all the way back in like 2003 or 2004, going to the Altitude Project with Greg Jimerson, Avery Blackwell, Josh Cox Cox was there the first time, you were there, I think Meb made an appearance, Sarah was there, there. Andrew Carlson, a bunch of just people that were really a lot faster than me and that inspired me to chase after how fast I could be and how did you hear about Altitude Project by the way so that's actually kind of a, a, an interesting story so I was in Hillsdale Hillsdale Michigan running a steeple and Greg Jimerson won the 10k ah. and I saw he lived in Palo Alto on the results uh-huh. and I was racing Stanford steeple a few weeks later and I literally went up to him and I was like hey can I crash at your house <laughs> I don't have a hotel yet so I had no money no way to get a hotel Let's go to a complete yeah, stranger complete stranger complete stranger that's so great and I just bought my plane ticket and entered and I was like I don't know I'll figure out the rest once it's time to figure it out and man he was so willing to let me stay so I did I went and stayed on his futon <laughs> 
And uh, we had some amazing avocado sandwiches, I remember. I still remember. That was Absolutely. Like, it was really good. It was a lot, 15 so, years ago? It was ago? a long time ago. <laughs> and Greg was just so awesome. And then uh, they were doing the Altitude Project camp that, that summer. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to it. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come. And, you know, that was really kind of the start of, you know, getting to know you and and some other athletes that would kind of inspire the desire to chase after some dreams. And then, um, you know, coaching later was just kind of an extension of that really wanting to help other people chase their dreams. And I coached in college for, uh, for nine or 10 years and then, um, had some kiddos and wanted to spend some more time with them at home. So started coaching online and just found the same joy and the same, you know, excited feeling to see people do well and reach their goals, whether they were, you know, making the Olympic trials or whether they were running their first marathon. Um, That's something that I really have found out about coaching that I enjoy is to me, it is just as fun to see somebody run, you know, that high level of racing and, and competing as it is to see um, somebody come to me with a goal that is very doable in the big scheme of things, but it's a huge challenge for them and they don't mm-hmm. even know how mm-hmm. far they can go yet. Seeing that person succeed is just as good as seeing that high level success. Yeah, I love that. And I think that kind of captures like what we're going at with run free, you know? It's like I always hated the fact that you could compete in the Olympics, be the second best person in the world, or in my case, the tenth best person, and be like all bummed out about that. And I'm like what's the point of doing a sport where only one person out of the entire population is going to be happy and everyone else is going to be disappointed? It's got to be about more than just results, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, you know, way back in 04 and 05, that was something that I I didn't really grasp, but I was willing to struggle with the idea that it wasn't just about the outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what was so exciting to me about Altitude Project and about you know some of the conversations we've had over the years and even back then was that there's more to this. Mm-hmm. It's not just I finished the race and I'm either happy or sad. If I you know, ran a PR, I'm happy. Yeah. And then the crazy thing is sometimes you run a PR, but it's only one second yeah. and you're still bummed about it. <laughs> like there's a lot more there. Yeah, there was more there. There was more. I mean, how many, yeah. and yeah. we all do it. Right. But the idea I think is, is not to say that you don't chase after that PR or that you're not bummed when you miss it by one second, but that you're able to take that and put that in perspective of you know, the process and the greater goal and Mm -hmm. life in general, and then use those things as journey lessons that apply to, man, what I always tell athletes is, man, if you can do running right, it's like a little kind of little opportunity that you can have every day to do it right. And if you can, then that's going to translate to, you know, your relationships, the way you have an outlook on your day, your work, your family, your kids, your just overall happiness. And so that's something that I continue to struggle with, you know, to put that in perspective. But I guess I've just learned that that struggle is totally worth it. 
Yes, absolutely. And I like, I, I've been using the word struggle with myself with a lot of these things I'm continuing to experience, you know, but I'm, I'm trying to like reframe that in a positive light and be like, it's not so much about focusing on what I'm struggling on. It's about cultivating what I do want to come yeah. out, you know, because like I've certainly learned like what you focus on increases, you know. So if you're so focused on your struggle, you're probably just going to, you know, continue to struggle with yeah. it. But if you can use that to be like, okay, well, what am I trying to cultivate here? Yeah, I, I like the word journey too mm-hmm. or process. Yeah, totally. I like those two words because even if the journey's not easy or the process isn't easy, you can step into it and step toward it and you can get started on it mm-hmm. and not know the outcome and it can be difficult yeah. and you can still benefit and still enjoy yeah. like those moments yeah. that are not easy. Love that. Yeah. All right, so let's go back to run free and getting that going. What what was the tipping point for you? When were you like, you know what? I think I'm going to give Ryan a call and see what he thinks. So I... I've I've done some online coaching for a while and I've really enjoyed it. It's been hugely beneficial to me personally and to the athletes. But just like anything, I think when you partner with like-minded people, things are are more fun. Mm -hmm. And so one of the lessons I learned a long time ago just in business and in relationships and pretty much everything is instead of focusing on the fun thing to do or the good thing to do, I've, I've kind of shifted my thought process and I've focused on who do I want to do things with. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of shifted to, I, I try to focus on hiring people at my store, working with people that I enjoy being around and then enjoy having me around them. Yeah. And so I've found when I do that, it almost doesn't matter what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you and I, we could be starting like an accounting business. <laughs> oh, I'd be and, out, Jay. I'd be out. <laughs> and, and we would hate the accounting part of it. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. But I think if, you, if we enjoyed being around each other, then that would solve most of the problem of whether or not you're having fun and doing what you want to do. Mm. And I think sometimes people misframe that. They think, oh man, if I could just go get this job that's Mm -hmm. better, Mm -hmm. or if I could, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, when they don't realize that it may not be what they're doing, but it may be who you're doing it with that is the problem or that might be more fun to do. And so that was kind of the idea. I was, you know, walking in my neighborhood and I was just thinking about, man, I really want to dig deeper into online coaching and coaching people all over who would I enjoy doing this with and who could help me in maybe some of the parts where I'm lacking. Like I'm, I'm a little bit more on the nuts and bolts side Mm -hmm. and man, you're definitely a little (laughs) more on the vision and like thought side. And I was like, man, Ryan would be perfect. Let me call him and see if he's game for it. Totally. Yeah. So there, and then you called me and, um, what, what were you kind of, if you had to summarize it, what were you most passionate about, like giving to your athletes? If you could choose a couple of things, maybe. I would say probably just perspective in what we've been talking about with the journey and not being 
so down on themselves Mm -hmm. for their performances Mm -hmm. because that's something that man when I ran poorly when I was younger it used to be really tough for like a while yeah you know to climb back into okay I can do this again but you know just perspective being a little bit older and being through that process man I think I enjoy running more now than I ever have yeah because I'm just you know open and free hence the run free <laughs> yeah. to be myself and to succeed and fail and and to go for it mm-hmm. it was like the other mm-hmm. day when we were uh, on lake mary road in uh those last few reps i was just like Man. jay was working out with sarah he's he's on pace and duties so. yeah yeah so i mean the three reps in with sarah i was like i don't know if i can make it and i just told myself i was like no commit and it doesn't matter. Like even if you completely fall apart, just hang on. And well, you committed to finishing the workout, right? Yeah. That was your thought process. Yeah. You're like, you're finishing this workout no matter what. Yeah, I was like, man, I don't care what happens. If I have to like crawl to keep up with her, I'm going to. And and it's funny because that moment that I committed, like my body started to click, mm-hmm. and it actually ended up being fairly smooth towards the end of the workout. When halfway through, I wasn't sure I was going to finish. So just like little nuggets like that are what what I'm excited to give the athletes. And then, of course, giving them the overall training program, the nutrition side, you know, the five-finger stuff that we talk about, um, just the whole package mm-hmm. instead of just, hey, do A workout, do B workout, and, and good luck. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So let's actually, you know, you mentioned like running in your childhood and um, having it be a struggle, um, an internal struggle. Let's go back to how did you get into running and yeah, what was your mentality like when you're getting into the sport? So I just got into it to get in shape for basketball. Jay's pretty tall. He's like six foot tall. And my best friend, Josh Mendoza, um, he wanted me to run with him on the cross country team because he liked a girl. <laughs> it's always a girl. It's always a girl. <laughs> and he begged me to come out and I was like, sure, I'll go, I'll go run. And I ran my first race in basketball, high tops. And uh I loved it. I loved the sport and the people and um and and actually one of our first workouts, uh I wanted to walk, I remember. And Josh said to me, he's like, man, don't walk now. If you walk now, you'll never run again. And that girl's going to see you. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, I was like, all right, fine. So I ran in, um, you know, in high school all four years. And I think it was just the, the fact that the time that I felt the best in those other sports was like the conditioning time uh-huh. when I was like mm-hmm. kicking everybody's butt on the baseball field. Right. But, but we're running five laps around the field. And then, uh, you know, I went to Barry College and ran there, and that was kind of my running start. Was um, Josh talking me into him getting the girl, which he didn't get. So, <laughs> so tell us about your coaches early on as you were getting into sport, high school, college. How did they influence your life and impact you? Yeah, by far the most impactful person was Paul Deaton. He's the Barry, still the Barry cross country coach. I think he's been there like. Gosh, I think it's like 27 years or something uh-huh. ridiculous yes. like that. But all the things we're talking about, you know, the process and running with joy and being free to see how well you can do. Man, he's been teaching that for his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a very strong 
Christian man and very influential in my life just in so many parts. Um, and, and I also end up meeting my wife at Barry and I always joke with him that he set us up, which he doesn't agree <laughs> to, but you know, I've got so much to be thankful for from him, uh, specifically in just who I am and my attitude and approach to stuff in life. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So now we're going to go deep. Are you ready? Are you laying down on the couch? Here? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what were you, would you say the biggest burdens you were carrying around, uh, either getting into the sport or in high school, college, like what were the things that were really weighing on your spirit, on your mind, on your heart? So I guess I would probably say just the need to fit in. And I didn't really enjoy high school that much. Like I wasn't into like the clicks and try to be super cool and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think just as a high school kid, that was the major thing is I felt like I was good at something and that through that I could identify and, um, and fit in and, and do well at something and be recognized, mm -hmm. which all those things are not necessarily bad. But I definitely overworked and overtrained. So you're trying like to prove yourself to other compensating people, for that. Uh -huh. And so looking back, I would say that's probably one of my biggest struggles with training and with running was probably I just need to like chill a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, like well, do yeah. the workout, chill out, and move on with my day. And I was just hyper focused on like in, in college I ran for uh, like two months, I averaged 140 miles a week. Wow. When I was in college, it was too much. That's crazy. Man. And so I think that that's something that gives me a little bit of perspective when I encounter hyper-motivated people is I can dial them back a bit because mm -hmm. I've been there and I've yeah. been way over overzealous with my training. And I think if I could have just tweaked that and focused it a little bit better, that would have run way better. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't have like huge regrets about my running because I really, you know, I went for it yeah. pretty big for me. And so, but yeah, I'd say that was kind of the, the driving force behind my training early. And one of the big things that I was able to like cultivate and learn and now that can help other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you work through that? The, this thing of like, cause I had the same thing, like, but for me is I had to prove myself to myself more than anyone else. I mean, there's a little bit of like wanting to prove yourself to your coach and you know, mm -hmm. the haters on social media or whatever, yeah. which we didn't have in our day. Yeah. We're too, yeah. too old. That's right. Um, but how did you, First of all, how did you pinpoint being like, you know what, I think my motivation is a large part of it, maybe not all of it, but a piece of it is coming from wanting to fit in to prove myself to other people. And then once you identified it, how did you go about changing that? You know, I would say that probably the way I identified it was through relationships with other people and realizing that they could care less how mm -hmm. well I did or how well I didn't do. You know, yeah. just reading people's responses, like maybe they would be happy or they'd be sad, like the place where I was at. But, and then I'd look at them and I'd be like, you know what? They really don't care. They <laughs> want to go get ice cream now. You know, <laughs> it's like, Hey, I did this and this. Okay, great. Let's yeah. go out to eat. You know, <laughs> uh, I think it was just people's, you know, kindness and grace to me that kind of allowed me to realize 
that it's not, you know, my performance doesn't determine who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, Has it always been that way or was that a shift that happened at some point? I, I'm not sure that shift has completely happened all the way. <laughs> something you're cultivating. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. But, same, um, same here. I think that's something that as a competitor and as an athlete, you're always going to have to revisit mm-hmm. and just reminding yourself of who you are and what God says is true about you is really the truth mm-hmm. and not what the other things are. Mm-hmm. And I think we did have a huge benefit in not having social media in our day. Like. Yeah. I remember my uh, index card of people that ran in the in the community, and I would go down my list, you know, every couple of days. Hey, do you want to go for a run? Hey, do you want to <laughs> go for the run? And now it's like weird because everybody's Snapchatting and yeah. Instagramming and all that stuff. But you still have your index card? Uh, I actually, I no, I don't. <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to get on Jay's index card, send him a. Text Send to zero one five seven. Mail it to me. Uh, all right, nice. That's cool. It's it's fun to fun to hear these kind of backstories. So I'm curious, like, if you could go back and talk to the Jay that's just getting into the sport, knowing everything you know now, what would you tell your your former self? I think I would tell myself to just relax a little bit and be. You know, something that I've realized is I actually had a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's that fuels that need to prove yourself and to show up. I think I would just instilled some more confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how I would do that, but I think that's the thing. Just, you know, do the work and then rest and then do some more and repeat the process without stressing out over it. Right. You know, because stressing out over it doesn't do any good at all. It actually makes it harder. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, stress is like the worst part of the whole process. You know, it's like worrying about going through it is worse than actually going through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's fast forward now to your coaching. How did you decide to get into coaching? When was that moment for you? So, um, like I said, my college coach, Paul Deaton, I basically followed the same pathway that he did. I did my master's degree at Georgia State. He did his at Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And then I coached with him for a couple years. And, man, I just knew I wanted to be in that collegiate world and um, hang out with those those types of athletes. And man, I had a great time doing it. And ultimately, the reason I stopped was way more family-oriented decisions, just wanted more time with them, mm-hmm. and less of like, you know, not wanting to coach college athletes anymore, not mm-hmm. wanting to be in the collegiate system. So so you had kids, young kids at the time. Yeah, yeah. My, my daughter was two, and we were at Indoor Nationals, and we actually won indoor nationals mm-hmm. as a team. It was the most exciting experience I've ever had in running. So we were down. We we had six points going into the final day. And literally in, in 45 minutes, I think we scored like 40 points and we won the meet. So we won the DMR. We won uh, the mile. We won the 5K. Uh, we had a guy win in the jumps. And then our four by four was like, it. They had to get fourth for us to win nationals. Yeah. And the anchor leg out kicked 
the fifth place guy in, by 0.1 seconds. No way. So we won that meet by a combined 0.79 seconds. <laughs> I can imagine coming down the home stretch, like having your whole team on that home stretch, it's just crazy. going crazy. Yeah. I, I personally have never gone as bananas <laughs> as Lose I your did. Voice. And, and the cool thing was too, so the DMR was Paul Chalima was our anchor leg. Mm-hmm. And then he won the mile too. And then another guy named Oscar won the 5K by 0.05 seconds with a dive. Oh, no I way. mean, every piece of that puzzle had to come together. And that was over. And I was like, man. And Carmen called me, my wife called me, and she said that uh, Milena was walking some more. Like I didn't miss her first steps. But mm-hmm. she was like, man, she's really doing good now. And my heart was just at home. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm on this great trip and I was so excited for my team and it was a pinnacle of coaching, but at the same time I wanted to be at home. Yeah. And so I knew at that moment that that was kind of the end for my college coaching. So you kind of went out on top. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. <laughs> absolutely. 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 That's a good way to go out. Yeah. Not like me running five and a half hour marathon. <laughs> no, dude, you went out on top too. There's no way I could have done that many mar- seven marathons in seven yeah, days. Seven no way. No way. I I wanted to go, but no. <laughs> All right. So you move on from coaching collegiately, and then do you immediately get into online coaching, or how does that process? I work? actually had started it a couple of years earlier. Okay. Like I I just kind of knew that was the direction that I was going to go eventually, and then um, my business partner now and I bought our running store, so um, that kind of all just worked together. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And uh, how many athletes do you coach online currently? So I usually have between like 15 and 20. Uh-huh. Yeah, just depending on... People kind of coming yeah. in and out. Yeah, just yeah. depending on the time of year. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So it seems like it's just a very organic kind of like... I, You know, I've online. always... Whenever people ask me about um, like business or life directional things, I mean, I'm always asking them... What are you passionate about and what are you good at? Mm-hmm. Because if you're good at something and you're passionate about it, you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. If you're no good at it and you hate it, you shouldn't be doing it. And so that's really kind of the motto of you know, what I try to do is, I don't know, do fun things with people I enjoy being around. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, huh? <laughs> I love it. I, that's one of my favorite things about you is just like, how important community is to you like you can tell just in all your comments you know like a lot of your breakthroughs and your good moments and just how you do life is in community and I just feel like that's so healthy um you know they say like the number one factor in in a person's happiness isn't the weather where you live or how much money you have it's it's the community it's how closely are you in a relationship with and it seems like you just do a great job of like cultivating community yeah those outside circumstances are constantly going up and down yeah and that's just you can't yeah I don't even look at the weather. <laughs> you know? It doesn't matter. It does the weather doesn't matter and you're exactly right. Man, the people are where you just have a blast with and laugh with and you know, stuff is just stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna kinda of jump around a little bit here, but I'm curious like 
when you're in those moments, whether it's a race or workout, and you kind of already gave one example with the workout with Sarah the other day, but when you're in those moments where you're on the line, you know, it's like you could go either way. It could just totally spiral down or you could work through it. Like when you're struggling the most physically, how do you mentally handle that? Man, I do a lot of self-talk. Like a lot. Like what's what kind of things do you like to tell so yourself? So one of the things I really like doing is uh, telling myself that I feel good even it's when I don't. lying to yourself. Yeah, basically. <laughs> You're a liar, Jake. Yeah, I am. <laughs> For the good, I guess. If, that, if you can do that. I don't know if that's good or not. But uh, no, I'll say to myself, you feel good. You have more. You can do it. I mean, just really simple comments, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've even unintentionally said that before while I was passing someone, so that's probably not a good thing to do, <laughs> because that could be kind of mean, but uh, no, I think just self-talk is good, and I, I use some mind tricks too, like, um, you know, yesterday when we were working out, I, I on one of the two-minute segments... I just said to myself, forget this one even exists. Mm-hmm. Like just totally zone out. Mm-hmm. Don't look at your watch. Don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Don't let your mind go back to how many seconds are left. Just like really stay in each moment and and it'll be over before you know it. Yeah. And so... It's the anticipation of the finish sometimes that makes you not be able to get there. You yeah, know? yeah. Like my coach at Stanford, Vin Lanana, he, he used to always tell me that. He's like... I don't want you to think the finish line is the finish line. I want you to think like like 10 meters, 20 meters past the finish line is the finish line. So you're running through it and like, yeah. it's not like anticipation and you're like rigging coming down the home stretch. Absolutely. Um, and then another thing that, that I really like to do is I, I need to get back to doing this. Um, so years ago, I told Paul, my, my college coach, I was like, hey, one thing I'm going to commit to doing is memorizing a verse in the Bible, every race I run. And not necessarily that I would repeat that the entire race or anything, but just so I have a little bit of ammo mm-hmm. against some negative thoughts. Mm. And so I remember I did um, the I did a race, uh, a half marathon in, uh, I think, Philadelphia. Anyway, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I went out way too hard. I had it in my mind I was going to run 105, and I, I just picked a number. I it, My training did not suggest I was going to run 105. And so I just decided I'm going to run five-minute pace, and I don't care if it kills me. And I made it about six miles, and then I was done. I mean, like, totally done. <laughs> so you're not even at the halfway point. No, <laughs> and I remember getting to eight miles, and I'm running, like, I don't know, 530 pace now, and I'm thinking oh my gosh, I have five more miles to go. I'm going to die. How am I going to make it? And I remember going back to my verse, my Bible verse for that race. And that's the only reason I finished. And I think it was valuable for me to finish, even though I didn't run well. Do you remember what the Bible verse was? Um, It was um, something about Jesus bearing the cross. Mm. And so that I remember just saying that, like he he bore the cross, man. I can do this. I can finish this race. And you know, I've even talked to my kids about that race, and I've been like, hey, you know, the pain you're going through is minimal 
compared to what he went through. Mm-hmm. This may be difficult, but you can do it. And my my eight year old gets it. She's like, oh yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. And I think that's why those things are helpful, right. because it makes sense. Right. And so I remember finishing that race, and I got beat by um, uh, one of the elite Russian ladies. She scooted by me at the end. And She's probably not going to go there. <laughs> no, we don't go there. Don't go there. Leave it. Leave it. Uh, so bad. But Sorry she, to all of our Russian yes. friends that are listening right now. No, no. She wasn't. My she apologies. was great. She was great. But um, so she passed me at the end, and uh, my teammates were like, dude, you didn't have a good one, did you? And I was like, yeah, but I really fought well. And so I was able to find something in the midst of that journey that was solid and that I could take with me. And then the second piece of that I learned was don't go out in five minute pace when you're not ready. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, there's also like practical coaching, you know, takeaways. It's not just pie in the sky right. stuff like, but you've got to put those two things together mm-hmm. and say, okay, I learned a lesson that maybe is deeper than the lesson of don't go out in five minute pace. But also, I can't just learn that lesson. I also next time need to like pay attention to where I'm at. Yeah. And so ran subsequent better half marathons <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Because, I mean, that's really what running is, right? It's like this intricate mixture of science and art together, you know? And there are like the nuts and bolts, like scientifically, like you shouldn't, like your testing is showing that you should not be running five minute pace right now. But then there's also like the artistic approach where sometimes you, you just got to throw all that out the window, you know? It's like when I ran 204 in Boston, I ran a half marathon a month before that and ran 65 minutes. So if you're just looking at the science, you're like, okay, you're not going out faster in 65 minutes, but that day we went out in 61, 51 or something like that and ran 204. It wouldn't have happened if I would have followed science, you know? Yeah, yeah, you've got to... It's so, and that's the, I think that's the part of it that makes it really fun is you don't know every time and you don't know how well you're going to yeah. feel or how well you're going to do. Um, when I ran my 10K PR, uh, I almost didn't start the race because I was just so tired. I think I had like 12 or 14 weeks over 90 miles a week, which for me, that was excellent training. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling Carmen, I was like, I'm so tired. I don't know if I'm going to run this. Yeah. And she said, we'll just get on, get out there and see how you feel. And we were in 435 the first mile, and I felt great. felt like we were jogging. And then after that, I was dialed in. Like, it, like I saw that first split, and I forgot everything. <laughs> and nothing mattered at that point. And I was just 100% mentally, emotionally, spiritually dialed in. And that was like one of those magical moments for me where I was just on fire. And I think I closed in like 57 the last lap wow. or the last, you know, point two. I guess it's shorter yeah. than a 400, but still for me, that was like amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You've got to have a little bit of, a little bit of maybe like an edge to you where you're like, yeah. I don't care <laughs> going for it anyway. <laughs> what I love about that story is that you could put your, like how, how the physical is so connected to everything. Cause you said that like after seeing that first mile split, like everything was dialed for you, like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all of that like clicked, but you were kind of, I mean, obviously before the race, you were kind of an emotional basket case, yeah. it sounds yep. like. And it's amazing to me how 
you know, what you experience in the physical can affect your emotional and it works both ways, right? It's mm-hmm. vice versa. But I, I love that story for that reason. It shows how like they're connected. They're yeah. so connected. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like Carmen, the advice she gave you is really great. It advice. was simple. Get out there, see how you feel. It was so simple. Yeah. yeah. And I tell people that story all the time because you just don't know. You don't know until you get out there and you just do it. And sometimes the hardest part is just getting out the door and getting there. And so, I mean, that was one of my coaching mottos when I was coaching. Yeah, that that's one of the things that I always felt like uh, was my responsibility as a coach to tell my athletes when they're in shape, especially, is, man, let's just get out there. Let's not put too much worry into it. Sometimes you don't put a lot of thought into it. You just go do it. And it's as simple as that. You know, um, when, man, Jared Carson is one of the athletes I coach, and, man, he is just a gamer. I mean, he gets every ounce out of himself. Just rises to the He occasion. does yeah. every time. And so he was going to run CIM this past uh, fall or, or whenever it was, this last winter. And um, we were talking. He was like, well, what do you want me to do? I was like, man, I got nothing for you. You're ready. Yeah. Like, I don't have any advice. Yeah. You know, you're, Go be you. you know what to do. Yeah. Like we've, we've talked enough. It's over. You're going to do it. And he crushed it. And so sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's the coaching advice. Sometimes there's more. And, um, but I think, uh, I think all in all, that's the best advice every day is just, man, you got to get out there and you got to get the work done. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of like one of Sarah and I's favorite mantra on race week is just get to the starting line. Because I can't tell you how many times I've gone mental that last week. And then I run the race. I'm like, why was I so like mentally like all over the map and so down? Like literally before I ran 206 in London, I remember being in the airport and my flight kept getting more and more delayed. You know, it's getting super late at night. And after like eight hours of this, I was like, my race is over. I should just like, and I'm a week out from London and yeah. I'm saying my race is over. I should just go back home, you know? And like, it makes no sense after the race happened. You're like, why was I so uh, crazy? And you then know? you're like, I almost missed that yeah. opportunity. Right. If I would have just shown up and, and chilled out, I'd have been better off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I know. I feel like sometimes with coaching, like the most profound advice or at least even as an athlete receiving advice from my coach sometimes the most profound things have been really simple things that were more like reminders of what i already knew but like in the right moment the right timing yeah 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 Yeah. so let's let's talk a little bit more about your coaching philosophy if you could just give us like be like hey like this is kind of how i like to do coaching how i like to coach my athletes how would you describe it i think the number one thing for me is staying healthy and when you just take a few steps back from that, it's your lifestyle, things that you're doing, um, giving yourself enough time to sleep, eating right, and then also periodizing the training right, where there's not too much front-loaded on one particular phase or one week, and then just spreading it out. So I'd say, you know, the biggest thing is, um, I think uh, is a quote from one of my favorite coaches, Renato Canova. And one of the comments he always says is, uh, sometimes the Americans are not able to run as fast as the Kenyans are because they're not willing to run as slow as the Kenyans do. That's great. I love that. And so, 
You know, I went and kind of tested that for myself and stayed with uh, David Cheramay in uh, Captagat, and I got to see Kipchoge train and got to see um, all these amazing athletes train. And I went and ran far behind them, but with them. Yeah, but with their afternoon runs, yeah. like super just, easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like like painfully slow, like right? eight eight nine minute pace. Yeah, and and uh, granted, that's at eight thousand feet on the dirt with some hills. So even if you convert that to sea level, you're still looking at like, you know, a marathoner that runs 440 per mile that's running three minutes slower than their <laughs> marathon pace. And so sometimes when I tell an athlete, all right, fine, you're at a 330 marathon, you're an eight minute marathon pace about, I want you to run 1030. And they're like, well, that's way too slow. It's really not. Sometimes you need to chill out and run slow. Yeah. And so, yeah, just seeing that firsthand was confirmation of the, the fact. And then like we when we ran today with uh, Matt and with um, the other guys. The Aussies. Were, yeah, the Australian group. Um, Max was one of the guys' names. Uh, when, we, when I ran with those guys today, I mean, I am not anywhere near in shape as they are and never was. But we're still running 740, eight-minute pace for a lot of miles and uh, just kind of chilling, hanging out and talking. And that's what's necessary to get better. And if you can do that, then you're going to have a little bit more for the hard days. But you gotta you got to slam your hard days too. Mm-hmm. And then you got to come back. So I think that that cycle of, you know, run hard, rest hard, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. and then do it again – and then the other thing is a lot of these, you know, uh, Eastern uh, African athletes that we look up to that are so fast, I mean, they're doing this for four and five years before they even race. A lot of them are because they can't afford to go race. Right. So, I mean, we just need to be patient. And that's the big takeaway is be patient and put in the work. Mm-hmm. And it's more about consistency over time totally. than it is about like – you know, doing it right for four days and then expecting to have a result. (laughs) Totally. I always tell people like consistency can either be your greatest ally or your biggest enemy, depending on if you're consistently doing the things that are going to help you get to your goals or not doing those things. You know, consistency is so powerful, man. It's like compounding interest, you know, just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Um, so let's, let's talk, I just have a couple more questions. Then we're gonna do some closing fun questions, which I promised Jay before this. I was gonna ask him five questions he's never been asked before, but I think I only came up with one. But maybe you've been we'll asked see. this question we'll before. See. But before we get there, uh, maybe last kind of like serious question. So like knowing you as a friend, and I think people listening to this podcast can tell just by hearing you speak and the things that you talk about like you're just like a very rooted rooted grounded happy individual that you strike me as a very stable person you know like I've never been around you when you've been like losing it and we've been around each other at workouts before where guys lose it quite (laughs) often you know like you just seem like really even keel really mellow and like just like you have an inner fortitude about you that I think people can just sense just being around you or at least I do. So how do you cultivate that? Like what have you done to develop your inner life that has been really effective for you? I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, 
certainly I do lose it from time to time. I'm not uh, totally solid. And, um, you know, I think if I really dial in that question, for me, like I just follow a regular routine. And I mean, I know that's maybe not the normal answer to cultivate some stability and some like, Man, like last night was a great example. Um, you guys went out to eat and had tacos. Man, I was just done, you know? Yeah. Like I was mentally and emotionally done for the day. And so I said, you know what? I'm not coming. And I went and ate a whole pizza <laughs> by myself. And then I went to bed. Which is way better medicine than sleep meds. Just eat a whole pizza yeah. and go to bed. You're guaranteed <laughs> to sleep through the night. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. I went down the street to the pizza place sat down by myself. I just needed a little bit of like, you know, quiet and just sit there and fuel up. And plus Sarah kicked my butt yesterday. <laughs> so I was really tired and at altitude, you know? So I think the answer to that question is, man, it's, it's kind of a daily grind to like stick to and ask myself good questions about where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, and one thing my wife and I will do is some days we're, you know, you get home and you're just done. And we'll communicate with each other. And we'll be like, hey, by the way, I am checking out today. I'm going to eat something and go to bed. And I think that's a common theme too is like, you know, the very basics. Like really focused on sleep. Really focused on eating well. And then recognizing like when, you know, when I do lose it is when I'm hungry or when I'm tired or or when maybe I've done a little bit too much like of one particular thing, whether it be work or play, and I need to go do the other. Because, you know, if I play too much and then work stacks up, that's stressful. Mm-hmm. Or if I work too much and I'm not around my family enough, then that's stressful too. So creating a healthy side. balance there. Yeah, I think it's just a healthy balance. And then there's also like, I mean, my mom and dad were, were really just – great parents too so I have a really good you know home, home life foundation and then definitely a lot of credit goes to Carmen because <laughs> I'm here in Flagstaff right now and she's at home with two kids mm-hmm. so I've got a lot of you know um, but Jay's, brown, brownie points to make up when I get back home Jay's gonna bring back a whole suitcase of toys for his kids from oh what no I don't say that they're gonna hear it <laughs> sorry this will be live after yeah that's right <laughs> you're good Oh man, there's so many good things in what you said. Like I was, you guys couldn't see, but I was like shaking my hand, raising my pen to a lot of what Jay was saying. It's like so true, so good. Like I remember one of my pastors, he would say that when people would come to him and they'd be really down, like really, I'm just really struggling like emotionally, mentally, whatever it was. And he'd tell them like, go take a nap and eat some good food. (laughs) And like sometimes like that's the problem, you know, like we think there's something inside of us going on, but, and that's why like run free, I think is so important because it's not just one thing, you know, it's not just the inner games. Like we also got to address like nutrition and sleep habits Mm -hmm. as well, because it's all so connected, you know? So thank you for dropping that wisdom on us. That was, that was really profound. I, I know I took a lot out of that. So thanks. All right, you ready for some fun closing questions? I'm not sure if I'm ready or not. All right. We'll see. So here's what I'm hoping will be the first question. No reading my notes, <laughs> Jay. Come on. You can't wait like five seconds. <laughs> 
I'm trying to get a sneak peek. <laughs> Alright, so first question, which is hopefully my stumper that you've never got before. I actually hijacked this from a recent appearance I did at Fleet Feet Nashville, so can't take credit for this one. But they asked me this question. If you were in a, a prize boxing match, and what would be your song that you would walk to the, uh, the square, the ring? What would be your ring music that would lead um, you out there? So it would definitely be a Toby Mac song because I really like Toby Mac. Which Toby Mac song? Um, uh, there's one where he whispers a lot. I don't know <laughs> the name of the song. The whisper you've, song. You've hit on my probably one of my biggest weaknesses, and that's like <laughs> naming music. songs, music. <laughs> I'm not a music guy. But um, no, definitely a Toby Mac song. Man, we listen to a lot of Toby Mac at my house. Yeah. And we've got this really like portable loudspeaker, and so we just blast it. So oh, nice. it would definitely be really loud, and it'd be uh, be one of his really songs. loud whispering. Yes, you got me intrigued yes. here, Jay. Somebody's <laughs> gonna have to comment and help us with the song. Uh, we'll look it up. We're not gonna put it in the show notes because I don't know how to do show notes yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, cool. Uh, last question. Well, first of all, was that have you ever been asked that question before? No. Yes, got him. Nailed it. One. All right. Stumped me. Last question. And this is, again, we're kind of getting deep here, but let's be real. So, if you could put one sentence on your tombstone that captures the essence of who you are, what would it be? Oh, that is a really tough question. Um,. Feel free to think about it. I will sing music to my the my theme. My theme for this year is to fulfill the work duties that have been set in front of me. So I don't think that would be very good for a tombstone. <laughs> fulfill the duties yeah. set before you. <laughs> that would be a really bad theme for a tombstone. Um Maybe like like rocked it or something like that, <laughs> like something fun. You know my crush this. <laughs> so so my dad he told me that when he he's alive and he's great, but he said when he dies he wants a celebration and he wants there to be barbecue at his funeral. <laughs> like he was just like man, it needs to be happy. So I don't know what would be on the tombstone, but it, I, I would want it to be like. Spare up, ribs upbeat. and steak. Yeah, upbeat and fun and not yeah. like down and negative, yeah. you know? Cool, yeah. love it, love it. Well, Jay, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for uh, dreaming up Run Free and for uh, for getting in touch with me and thinking of, of partnering with me on it because this has been so much fun for me. You know, like there's a lot that's come in this new season of life with me and getting into coaching and, and with my kids and trying to be a good dad and being an author and all those things. But um, this feels like a continuation of my previous season, you know, that wouldn't necessarily have happened if Run Free wasn't launching and we couldn't put out content like this where we are, you know, kind of going at deeper things. And um, so thank you for... For dreaming all this up yeah man all right there it is jay stevenson thanks for coming on the podcast man thanks have a good one